Hello, and welcome to the 100th episode of Pat's Podcast. And don't laugh at that. That joke, come on, that joke doesn't land. You can't laugh at that one. I am sitting in the patio, the official home of Pat's Podcast, with James Jim Comer, the Deputy Executive Director of Rhode Island Housing. You got that right. Well done. Well, and that's the end of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Let's quit while we're ahead. Let's quit while we're not as far behind as we thought we would be. And oddly enough, suddenly the patio is a hopping. Well, um, they, they had heard that I was going to appear, so... They're all here for a live taping of the podcast. This is very exciting. Who can blame them? Are you nervous? What's your emotional state right now with the podcast? Scared? Uh, you know, cautiously optimistic, I would say. Wow. Yeah. That's not bad. Despite your involvement. I, as I explained to you in the beginning, I'm not really all that involved. I'm half asleep already. This is not going well. <laughs> Uh, and the triple IPA is going very well. I will admit that. Um, what does the deputy? Well, for, let me ask you this. Let me skip right to the nitty gritty. What does Rhode Island Housing do? Sure. So we are the state's housing finance agency. There are 53 housing finance agencies throughout the country, uh, of which we are one. And basically, what that means is we provide financing for just about all of the affordable housing that gets built in Rhode Island, and that's across. A broad variety of housing types. So we provide uh, thousands of single-family mortgages to first-time home buyers. We also provide loans and uh, soft financing to developers who build multifamily housing developments. We operate a number of federal programs that uh, both fund the production of affordable housing, but also some that uh, assist folks who are experiencing homelessness. And we operate uh, as a housing authority. Uh, overseeing about 1,500 housing choice vouchers, which people commonly know as Section 8 vouchers, uh, in communities throughout the state that don't have a housing authority. That's where we step in. Wow. And now you said there's 53 of them in the country, so every yes. state has their own? Every state has one. New York has two. California has two. And I believe the 53rd, for lack of a better number, is in Puerto Rico. What uh, housing, I, I, I want to say housing authority, I know I'm not supposed to, That's but okay. what housing group of the 53 has the coolest uniforms? It's hard to say, Pat. You know, uh, we actually have a, a very new logo because it's our 50th year this year. So we have wow. the 50th anniversary logo. 1973 was the uh, founding uh, of Rhode Island Housing. You weren't supposed to really answer that question. You were supposed to get up and disgust at how stupid it was. I pr- pride myself in being a- able to answer any question, Pat, wow. whether or not it's... Uh, 100% accurate. So what are the challenges that Rhode Island housing is facing right now? How did we do in the pandemic? How are we doing? And what is where do we want to end up? Okay, that's a great question. So uh, there's a couple parts to that. Obviously, you know, there's no state in the union where they have enough affordable housing. It's a crisis across the country that uh, between the high cost of housing and low wages, oftentimes people can't make enough to make ends meet, let alone afford a decent place to live. In the state of Rhode Island, uh, we have other challenges because I don't know if you've noticed this, Pat, it's a fairly small state uh, and we don't have a lot of buildable land. So it kind of constrains us geographically as to what, how much housing you can actually build. So it's a, really a, kind of a function of can you find available lots or buildings you can repurpose or reuse for housing and how do you create enough housing to meet the need that we have in a kind of geographically constrained area. So. Every state struggles with this. Rhode Island has our little ge- geographic stuff. But I will say a couple things. One, we are in a really exciting place in affordable housing work in Rhode Island because for the first time uh, in my 
26 years of doing this, we have real political will to make a difference in affordable housing. We have support from the governor's office, support from the legislature, uh, very specifically in terms of uh, they have allocated about $210 million of federal state fiscal relief funds to the cause of affordable housing. And uh, we are uh, administering $210 million of funds that will go to primarily fund the production of new affordable housing. There will also be funds made available to give uh, first-time home buyers down payment assistance. Uh, and probably about seven or eight programs that we've put together that will get this money on the street quickly and provide a lot more opportunity for Rhode Islanders to live in affordable homes. Where, where do you see the most growth in affordable housing? Like, is there a, a certain area or section of Rhode Island? I understanding it's a small state. I am aware of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a certain town? Is there a certain location? Is it... it answer me that, and sure. then I have a series of questions oh. jumping so, off. So, uh, as you can imagine, historically, a lot of the affordable housing development has been clustered around the cities. Providence, Pawtucket, Newport, Central Falls, uh, Woonsocket. However, what's really encouraging is there are a lot of communities that are finally realizing that the need in their own in their own community and stepping up to the plate in terms of being supportive of affordable housing in a way that historically uh, some communities have not. I would say East Providence has made great strides. They've recently become uh, one of the communities in Rhode Island to meet their 10% goal that 10% of their housing is affordable. There are seven communities throughout the state that have that. East Providence is the most recent one. The mayor, uh, Mayor De Silva in East Providence, is a big supporter and actually kind of puts his money where his mouth is and brings city money to the table to create affordable housing, which is great. And, and frankly, Pat, as we sit here in, uh, in beautiful East Greenwich, in the, uh, the past couple of years, the, city, the town of East Greenwich has done a great job of supporting affordable housing. We are right now finishing construction on 96 units of affordable housing on, uh, on Route 2, uh, right behind Ocean State Animal Hospital. It's Brookside Terrace. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I've bought, I've brought Boo many times to Ocean State uh, Vet. There you go. And that, so now is that ninety six units of just affordable housing, yep. or is it a part of a larger? No, oh. it's it's ninety six units standalone development of affordable housing. Uh-huh. And you know, again, it was supported by the town with uh, you know zoning and planning approvals. Uh, it's been a great project. The construction has gone great. And as I said, the first phase uh, was open probably. Several months ago, and the second phase is wrapping up construction now. So, and your agency would be involved in something like that, right? By providing financing, yes. and then, so would you finance the actual build, or are you financing the people who, or assisting the people who move in? Or so, in this case, both. Normally, our role is to finance the actual build, and that's done a number of ways. In the case of Brookside Terrace, they utilize the federal low-income housing tax credit program which is a way to generate private investment in affordable housing development. We administer that program. It's an internal revenue service program. And it provides a dollar-for-dollar tax credit to investors who invest in affordable housing. So without boring you with the mechanics of how this all works, uh, basically we put out a solicitation once a year. Developers come in and say we want X number of tax credits. We get about $3.1 million a year in those credits. Uh, We get what's called the small state minimum because, again, small, Rhode Island. and we're then able to make those awards and the investor gets a 10-year benefit. So if they get a million dollars of tax credits, it's actually a $10 million tax break. And they put, they pay, you know, let's say 95 cents on the dollar, just as a rough number. Right. Uh, so they end up paying $9.5 million to 
fund the construction of a place like Brookside Terrace, and they get a $10 million tax benefit out of it. Wow, wow. I'm doing the math on that, and that would seem like maybe I should get into that, other than my lack of ability. If you do have, a, you know, nine or ten million bucks, we'd love to talk to you about how you can invest that in affordable housing. It'd be great. Well, I, I put all my disposable income into the podcast, as you can see. Obviously. Yeah. Judging, I mean, judging by microphones me, aren't free. The high level of tech that we have here in the, uh, the Immaculate Studio. <laughs> I think you're being sarcastic, but it's difficult to tell. Uh, now, my next question is, there are, and this is my ignorance on this topic, but there are developments that are going up that are not exclusively uh, low or affordable housing. They're a combination of that. And I imagine that that is something that causes consternation at times or... Sure. You know... Just the phrase affordable housing is a bit of a trigger for some folks, and it, it, to them it conjures, you know, the wrong image, right? People think it's going to be, oh, it's going to be this kind of squat brick building that's got all sorts of crime and other issues, and, you know, quite frankly, that's it's it's a kind of a pernicious uh, lie. What, what does pernicious mean? It means it's detrimental to what oh, we're okay. trying to do. Sure, as sure. Far as that's you, what as I As far thought. as you know. Yeah, that's yeah. what I... Mm-hmm. I thought you were insulting me. Go UNH. Uh... <laughs> And, you know, so people have this kind of not-in-my-backyard mentality at times. Yes. Which is really, you know, harmful. One of the ways that, over the years, policy has evolved to mitigate some of that is, as you say, you have what what we would call a mixed-use development or mixed-income development, where you would have some units at market rate and some others, uh, you know, available for lower-income folks. And essentially, what, what happens there, you know, without doing the math, the rents you can achieve for the market rate units kind of subsidize the ability to charge lower rents for the for the low-income units. And, you know, if you do, in the state, there's what's called the comprehensive permit law. So if you are a developer and you have a certain percentage of your units that are affordable, you have an expedited way to get through zoning and planning. Now, th- yes, this is the controversial aspect of this because it cuts out a lot of... yes. And that's a cost-benefit analysis because we need affordable housing, so we're not going to delay these things. Now, obviously, what types of things can, I don't want to say they work around, but what, if I'm going to develop a unit and I'm going to hit that percentage of Mm -hmm. affordable housing in it, what types of things am I not obligated to do or what is easier from you have to do everything you have to do exactly right you have to do everything it should be an expedited pathway through local zoning and planning that it sort of restricts the ability of towns to put up roadblocks to that development because historically i imagine towns are very adept at saying towns are very creative and are individual residents of towns in finding reasons why uh, to not have affordable housing, you know, and a lot of people will say, "Oh, I support affordable housing," you know, just not in my town. Sure, yeah. These people believe falsely that it's going to cause their taxes to go up. It's going to cause a burden on the schools. You know, factually, the state of Rhode Island has an aging population. School populations have been declining throughout the state, and in certain communities, it's particularly exacerbated in places like South Kingstown, Charlestown, uh, some of the beach, quote unquote, beach communities that we have here. As over COVID, uh, uh, you know, it's an aging community. Younger parents with kids can't afford to live there because the house value has gone up so much. And a lot of folks from out of town, as you can imagine, uh, have come to beautiful Rhode Island and bought some of those traditional homes as summer homes. 
and it really not only inflates the value of houses and it leads to you know younger people not being able to live there but it also is emptying out the schools and because our school age population has been in decline so that's something that you know people hold up on oh if we allow these family development to come here our taxes are going to go up because they're going to need to support all these extra kids in the schools and it's 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 frankly not so many communities could really use more students in the schools as it turns out so are you blaming the entire crisis on Taylor Swift and that mansion in Watch Hill? <laughs> yes. Yes, the celebrity homeowners of Rhode Island. I don't Actually, want to simplify things. No, uh, and I will, I will tell you. Please tell me that Taylor Swift is a huge advocate of affordable housing. Uh, as far as I know, Tay-Tay is in no way uh, responsible for any of this. I, again, I don't know what pernicious means, and I certainly don't know what Tay-Tay means, but this is, you're really open. It's perhaps, perhaps you should ask your 16-year-old daughter. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't talk to me very much. Is that a problem? Well, I mean, you know, not we, for me. We went to <laughs> that doesn't impact you on a day to day basis. We went to see Taylor Swift, oh, that's Tegan great. and I. Yeah, yeah. and I I, uh, I took her to the CBS Scene Bar at Foxborough sure. mm-hmm. because she needed food and I needed food also. Sure. And then I immediately left her in that restaurant and then walked away, assuming that she was following me. And then I made it mm-hmm. down that It was not an intentionally leave. No, it wasn't no, as if no, you were no, marooning no. your daughter that, that, that in Foxborough. Seem, that seems odd. As, as yeah. far as the police know, no, mm-hmm. that is not what happened. Wow. Good. Well, that's good. So now that we're done blaming Taylor Swift, where are we headed? What is the goal that you would like to see achieved in Rhode Island? Sure. I mean, so like many people who work in, in kind of social services and things like that, I want to put us out of business, right? That would be the ideal. Uh, you'd like to be able to build enough homes that everyone can live affordably in a quality place to live. It's a, it's an enormous challenge, of course. There are market forces at play. You know, we are very lucky because we, you know, have a very good bond rating. We use bonds to fund all, all of our first mortgages that we offer. So we're able to offer below market rates to first-time home buyers. And we're able to offer a lot of assistance to first-time homebuyers in terms of their their uh, uh, down payment and closing costs. Uh, that we're able to make homeownership a reality for Rhode Islanders in uh, you know at a level that a, a traditional bank might struggle with because of their own lending guidelines. We work with a network of probably about 35 lenders who are part of our uh, who, who will. Take applications for our loan products and work with us, uh, which is great. It's fantastic. We have a reach in, in throughout the state, um, and I would say the good thing is that because of the extra tools we've been able to devote to this, we haven't had a decline in home ownership and our ability to provide home ownership loans, despite COVID kind of getting in the way of a lot of things. So, you, but uh, now. And again, this is mainly my ignorance, but you guys aren't actually providing loans. You guys are working with other providers and... Both of the above. Oh, yeah. Wow. So this must, this must be a rather large organization that you're dealing with here. Yeah, we have about 250 employees. Um, I, I would say the last number, and we're just collecting our 2022 numbers right now. For 2021, we did, I think, about $480 million in... First-time mortgage loans. Want to do another one? Uh, that okay. And take this in the manner in which it's intended. Of course. I'm assuming an insult, but that's an amazingly high number. Yeah. So this is a okay. This is a large-scale organization that's working on this particular problem and mm-hmm. leads, I assume, a lot of, to a lot of the successes that you guys are having. Wow. Well, thank you. Oh, what's going to happen to Eldridge? 
Like, when is that going to become a Danville <laughs> repute? Yeah, I really have no, uh, I have no sense for what the town of East Grange is going to do oh, with the Eldridge School. I, well, I, I was told that you are just sort of circling the area, <laughs> and yeah, you're like, like yeah. a shark. No, yeah. I, I, I will tell you, Pat. Honestly, I've had experience uh, developing schools as affordable housing. They're a great resource because a lot of the schools, you know, that you can imagine that were built around the time that Eldridge was built, are built fantastically well. They've held up quite well over the years and if you, you think about it, it. Oh. Uh, oh if you think about it they're also kind of set up in a way already that you would set up an apartment building you have a bunch of yeah. individual rooms on a common hallway you know at a certain size they have elevators already which is a huge cost to be building something new elevators cost an arm and a leg so it's great if you can get buildings that already have things like that they have you know accessible they, ha- they have to have accessibility already they have wide stairways they have a lot of things that you would want to do in a multifamily housing uh, development that are kind of already baked in. It's just a matter of Again, that was a bad... You have now caused a panic amongst the two listeners of Pat's podcast. Do you know who the most famous alumnus of Eldridge School is? Uh, I have to guess it's... Well, I mean, my heart wants to say John Lewis, but I bet it's you. John Lewis did not go to John Lewis, the softest hands in podcast. No, John Lewis did not go to Eldridge School. No, it's my brother, Johnny. Johnny Bristol. Yeah. He has a Porsche. I mean, he's a wonderful man in a lot of respects. I don't don't boil him down to his luxury vehicle. Yeah, I don't really know anything about my brother other than the Porsche. Uh, All right. Well, I'm glad that you are not uh, actively... Uh, marketing no. Eldridge School. No, I have nothing uh, I, to do with I it. I think there's a bunch of kids that still go to school there. I mean, who and, can say? Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah I, guess, I guess the administrators could or anyone Hopefully, who has sent no children on a day. Yeah. N- well, that's never stopped me from doing anything. It's my true. lack of practical knowledge. Now, <laughs> as you know, you've listened to every episode of Pat's Podcast. Religiously, which, yeah. Yeah, well, it is, you know, in a lot of countries, it is sort of a religion. It's quite a transcendent experience. Uh, what, so a question that I ask whenever I remember is, what is your hidden talent? Yeah, I mean, you know, even though I was prepped for this very question, I have very little to offer. I, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, so is being talentless your hidden talent? I, I don't understand. You know, I, it's got to be something. You know, it, it, but it also it all probably revolves around being you know like a nerdy only child. You know, thirty years ago, like I read a lot of books, so I'm good at like trivia and things like that. You know, that is true. I have a I've lot had of that weird, experience. Uh, knowledge floating around up here. Wow. Well, that's not something you can do on a podcast. I'm just saying that no. other people sort of do fun things. Yeah, no. Do you have anything fun you want to do? Like. I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to, have to disappoint the many listeners here. With uh, it's actually just many listener. We can yeah. just keep it in the singular. But well, now I'm assuming you'll listen to this episode. I'm well, naturally. I mean, oh, even well, though, that'll be quite a spike. You know, uh, the terrible voice on on tape. I'm not looking forward to the play. I've, I've had a lot of guests who choose not to listen to their own yeah. podcast, so it stays at just one, okay. and it's me. And sometimes John Lewis, uh, Dan Campion, and Mark Tertian, if he's on it, yeah. will listen. More of a pity listen type of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it, 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 boy. This it, it's sort of making me sad now. It's okay. Well, what can you do, right? Now, okay. Now here's my next question. Sure. The next past pot. Pat, it's called Pat's podcast. Although one guy that I played soccer with the other day said, "It's it's how is Pat's podcasting going?" He made it like an active thing, yeah. like Pat's podcasting. And this I is about as passive as it gets, frankly. Yeah. It really, I really yeah. have not brought a lot to the table. I apologize, but yeah. the next is 
a couple of women who teach people how to line dance, and they're yeah, going to see be that's a useful assignment. skill. I got right. none of those. Well, now this is they teach people how to do. It. Sure. What would your success rate be at endeavoring to do that? Oh boy, perniciously, both in terms of my ability to coherently follow directions on my general coordination, it probably would be fairly low. Um, I'm going to ask them for a free ticket yeah. for you. Okay. There's going to be a ticket at the door yeah. at Two Line Cider in your name. Oh, that's great. So this is like a friends in low places type of thing. That's, the, that's where we're... You know, I only know one country song, okay. and it's uh, the Billy Ray Cyrus song. Icky uh, Breaky Heart. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I don't really know it that well, because I forgot the title to it. Oh. Um, it's more of a vibe than a song. You know, it's... <laughs> I don't think it is. I, that, no one's ever said that about Achy Breaky Heart. What's your T-Gore favorite knowledge. line from Achy Breaky Heart? No, I checked. I, yeah. I googled it on the way up here, knowing that I'd talk about it. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting that, well, to me, it's the fact that he views his heart as explosive enough to kill a man. It, well, yeah. I mean, he warns you it's, of it's that. It's a clear, like, hey... Cut this out, or else my achy breaky heart may explode and kill Have you this ever man. threatened a, a woman with that? Like that you have some sort of fragile heart issue and you may explode if they were to not dance I would with you? Like to say unequivocally, for the record, I have never threatened a woman in any fashion. Well, I, did, I don't think. I don't think bad. Billy Ray is. I think he's more chiding her with well, this knowledge. He's hard. putting it in her lap. I, okay. Wow. This no, is taking a dark yeah, turn. Uh, keep keep digging. Now, I'm going to tell you what your hidden talent is vis-a-vis oh, good me. lord. We were sitting here uh, not too long ago watching uh, the World Cup. That is correct, yes. And you knew everyone on every team. Like, soup to nuts. Yeah. And people were coming off the bench. You were identifying them yeah. by number. That's or like the haircut. nerdy only child thing again. Like, I just, you know, you do the reading and the research, and then it sticks in my brain. I don't think I could name five Premier League soccer teams. Leeds, Leeds United, Leeds Ununited, and then I'm out. Yeah. Uh, you know everyone who plays professional soccer? I think that it's a bit of an overstatement. I know a few guys who play professional soccer. No, that's, oh, that is not true. You could name the entire starting lineup of the U.S. men's national team. Probably so. But, you know, uh, again, it's a, the memory that I have, Pat, I will tell you, is a blessing and a curse. There are many things I, I wish to have forgotten, and yet they hang around me like an albatross around my neck. I often, constantly reliving my shame. Yeah, I often forget Tegan's date of birth, but I can remember, you know, lines from Star Wars. Yeah, I get what you're saying there. Yeah. Uh, and then, I, you know, then occasionally I had a conversation with somebody at work the other day where they accused me of, of uh, going to see Widespread Panic, and I said, I've, I've only seen Widespread Panic once. Wait, maybe twice. Ooh. It's hard to say. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, well, that's the joy of being our age. Everything is new yet old. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It was, at any rate, it was 30 years ago, and, you know. What is widespread panic? Uh, they're a band, uh, they're, I believe they're from Georgia, kind of a jam band. They're mm-hmm. a you know, long running concern. That panic uh, is not very widespread because I've never heard of no, it. No. Uh, uh, I would like some noted, noted that podcast joke. fan Jared Zimmer is a, is a fan of uh, widespread oh, panic. Oh. Jared and I have reached a certain level of detente where we will no longer uh, talk about music. 
because we have had many fights. Uh, yeah, I've been present for some. Yeah, yeah, they're not very interesting except to me. And I think he almost murdered me when I said that we should pass a law that only Bruno Mars can perform at the halftime of the Super Bowl. And I've never seen it's a strong stance. It. Well, I think it's about time we really realized. The, boy, yeah. The Super Bowl halftime shows are bad. Maybe Pat's podcast for like 10 minutes of it and then a Bruno Mars song. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that, you know, despite your arguments over music, you and Jared can remain happily next door neighbors. No, there is a lot of hatred. There's a lot of yells across the street. My house is often egged, and I'm like, Jared, what is going on? And he's like, I have no idea. Yeah. Well, I, oh, now you yeah. tell everyone to rate and review Pat's podcast. Oh. Explain why that's important to you personally. Well, first of all, I would view it as a personal affront if you didn't rate this particular episode uh, five stars or whatever the highest level of stars available to you. What do you think the highest the level system? of stars? What would your rating system for a podcast be? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I think a five stars would be fine, or maybe there's maybe it's like a gimmicky like five microphone type of thing. I, wow. you know, I don't know, uh, I don't know what the. The particular unit of measurement is, but uh, nor do I, and I think that's probably something I should look into. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what are you asking these people to do? Like, what button do they push to rate this podcast? Again, that's why I ask you to ask them to do. It, okay, so I'm not sure. That's fair. Uh, we so, have one review. To my knowledge, uh, listener, uh, <laughs> if there is a there is like a five star rating system somewhere on your individual device, whether it's your iPhone or your Wow. Non iPhone or whatever. Other You're people very use. inclusive. Yeah. Uh, well, well, you have to be, right? Yeah. This day and age is yeah. important. And uh, yeah, go ahead and give Pat's podcast the highest possible review, five stars that's, if that's if that's what you're doing. Because frankly, this has been a fantastic experience for me, and I'm certain if you're listening to this uh, and have not turned on the car in your garage as doing so, uh, then it's a fantastic experience for you. So uh, let's let let's that let that be reflected in your rating. <laughs> So there, so in your mind, there are two ratings, two ratings. You've either committed suicide to the podcast, and you're not going to review it, or five stars. I appreciate that. I mean, you know? for me, there's only one review pattern. It's a five star because <laughs> this, a, this is a tremendous well, bit of media. So if John, Dan, and Jay Burkett all were, well, and Jeff Dronzak has to because yeah. I, I, yeah, I see him every That's day. True. So yeah, you know what, Jeff, really get off your ass and rate it five stars. Oh my God, this what is getting doing? embarrassing. Yeah. Well, I think this whole experience has been embarrassing for me, uh, yeah. but not for you. I no. think you came across great. Well, thank you. That's that's great to hear. I, I, I didn't realize you were doing actual work and everything. It's always it's, nice. It, you wouldn't guess from talking to me, but yes, I actually have a job that is somewhat responsible in the world. And somewhat, I would, I'm going to say this, yeah. somewhat important. Yeah, it is a weird thing, Pat. Uh, you know, I not, did not have any idea what I wanted to do uh, as a young man or, or graduating college and kind of fell at last backwards into working for the Boston Housing Authority, and I found out I liked working in affordable housing, and that was, you know, how, 26 the, years ago. How's the college search going at your house? The college search is a little stagnant. Uh, you know, there's talk, oh I, oh, I like this, I like that. What I'm trying to do is get some action going, uh, because I want to like get gambling or something? Well, I mean, oh, you know. Oh, if, no, that's probably not what If the market doing. provides, but uh, really get him to like, okay, where are we going to go look at some schools? You know, kind of put talk into action. Would is, you recommend your alma mater? Uh, well, here's the thing. Uh, you know, it's uh, since I've graduated, uh, their standards have gone up immensely. Wow. And thus, uh, you know, it's a lot harder to get into. And also, 
commensurate with those standards, the price has gone up immensely. And so, you know, the idea of paying $85,000 a year for college is not something that's in the cards. Again, Pat, I work in affordable housing. I don't know if you're paying attention from the beginning of this, but... Uh, and Rhode Island's a small state. It's a, I know it's a, it's a noble profession, but, uh, you know, it could be more remunerative, frankly. That means you get paid more. I'm, I'm helping the other people. There you go. You're translating it. Yeah. I'm for, worried about For Dan. the man in the street. I'm worried about Dan. Uh, well... I think this has been a delightful time. Indeed. And I'll invite you back anytime you want to come back. Listen, I'm happy to be here to talk about it. I think it will, we'll, next time we'll talk more about Premier League soccer or movies. Uh, uh, yep, I'm there for that. Absolutely. I'm, I'm definitely going out as soon as possible to see Gerard Butler's latest movie. Plane! Plane. Wow, you are ready to go, too. Yeah. I, I, he is America's Taylor Swift, I'd say. Despite being from Scotland, yeah, he's really he's really transcended his heritage to become. Uh, I think I think exactly was, what we need here. I think that was my point, yeah, there, buddy. All right, well, we're going to sign off now. Any, right. any shout outs you want to give? Any? What's no, up? I mean, again, for anyone out there who might be interested in uh, obtaining an affordable home or oh yeah, what is the website? as a developer? If oh, you boy. need uh, yeah. you know some funding, we have uh, a lot of money that's going to be coming out in the springtime. Uh, the website is. Rihousing.com. You can feel free to get on there. It's a really cool website. You can see everything you need to see. Uh, there's a you know not entirely horrible photo of me on there uh, with my contact information. If people want, I'd, I'd be surprised to see that. Yeah, it was not a great process, Pat. I had a, I tried to duck the photographer for a lot of months, and they finally ran me down and made me take a picture. So, what what would be if you could use any picture going forward? There has to be one picture, like eighth grade. Uh, no, grade, those were uh, those were awkward years. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, I would say somewhere in like the eighteen to twenty range was my best. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right, my, like most, my most photogenic, like period. an action photo. Or yeah, what well, are we thinking? Like a, At the I was beach? very skinny. I did, you know, a lot of stuff going on. I, you know, huh. get a tan in the summer. Things of that nature. It was, it was a, it was a good time. Uh, right now, it's uh, you weren't wor- worrying about affordable housing then. No, clearly not. Uh, and now we get we have a you know a face made for podcasts and a, a voice made for mine. So, wow, that's actually my uh, logo. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, thank you for your time. And uh, this thank you is for having me, Pat. This Pat is signing off. Remember to rate and review Pat's podcast. It's five very stars important. only. Five stars only. Or if there's anything higher. Or whatever. Yeah. Whatever yeah. the whatever the that would be the ceiling. Not whatever the, the acme. Floor. Exactly. I don't know what the do that highest exactly. Point. That's what we're going with. Wow. These I've learned three words today. So I'm going to stop now. And thank, thank you, East Greenwich Public Schools. <laughs>